happy to be in the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So we're going to be here again. I'll ask you this morning, Matthew 5 again. And we'll read the verses this time, Matthew 5, and verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and to give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you this, evening, this morning that we got in your house. And again, we pray that you would bless your word. And again, by thy spirit accompany your holy word to teach us and show us the importance of being light, Lord. To help us to be walking in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And so, Lord, bless your word this morning. For we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. And so we continue with Sermon of the Mount, or what I would call the calling in the kingdom, in verses 14 to 16. Last night, we said, saw the importance of the impact of salt. Morning, we look at the need of being light in the dark and dying world. Yes. <clears throat> and we do have a heavenly calling. Christ, again, is addressing. Somebody get me a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> where, where, where were we? <laughs> I was going to answer it. I was just going to answer it and just kept on preaching. Repent and believe the doctor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can we start over, brother? <laughs> anyway, Christ said, citizens. And are responsible as being citizens of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> we also saw last night that our Lord went from the aspects of generality, the days in there, the specifics of ye or you. And so Christ continues this particular application in using two important emblems or metaphors, <clears throat> saying to those who are in the kingdom of God that you, you alone, you are the salt of the earth, you, you are the salt of the world and you are the light of the world also. And again Christ goes from the character of the Beatitude in describing our influence in the world as being salt and light. So Christ is telling us in very clear and understanding, understandable words that being light in this dark and dying world means that as kingdom citizens we have been blessed with a tremendous responsibility <coughs> with what Christ has given us in the Beatitude, and now being the means of transmitting this light to this dark and dying world. And I don't know about you, but I am humbled to think that God would use being a former wicked, rebellious, being in darkness, a depraved sinner, to now to be light in this dark world. <clears throat> now, we are not a light in and of ourselves. No. no, we are light in Christ and Christ alone. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the true light of the world. Yeah. He Himself proclaimed there in John 8, 12, 
Then Jesus spake and said unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Later on in the same Gospel of John, in John 12, 46, Christ also said, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Therefore, our life as followers of Christ, being born again, is a reflection and is described, or I should say prescribed light from Jesus Christ. And again, any light that we have does not originate from us, but from Him. Yes. You know, the Apostle Paul would tell us there in Ephesians 5.8, he said, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light. You're light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. And so again, this means that in the lost state, yes, we were in darkness before God saved us. We were in complete darkness and depravity. But again, the Apostle Paul says, you were sometimes darkness. Not only darkness, but actual darkness. I mean, long the distance of the fall of Adam. I mean, we're born into this world in complete darkness spiritually. In a lost state, again, we're dead spiritually and full of darkness. In Psalm 107, 10, it says, Such as are, excuse me, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Yes, there was a day when I was lost in complete darkness, walking in darkness, living in darkness, in my wicked sins, until one day light came into my life. Christ came into the life. Before that, darkness dominated my life. I was spiritually blind, and I couldn't deliver myself from this immense darkness. No. I was under the domain of Satan's power of darkness. But one day Christ came to me when I wouldn't come, when I couldn't come. He came to me. And I love what it says there in Colossians 1. He says, Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So yes, Christ came, delivered me from the power of darkness, translated me into the kingdom of God, and so now I am a kingdom citizen. Even the Apostle Peter reminds us about darkness. He says in 1 Peter 2.9, he said, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so again, I remind you again that if you're in Christ today, if you're in Christ today, there was a time that we were in complete darkness. And bondage to sin, bondage to Satan, bondage to religion, in the power of darkness until Christ came to set us free, that we might walk in His marvelous light. <clears throat> and again, I, I speak myself. You, you, you give your own testimony. But I know that one day Christ came and delivered me from that awful power of darkness, yes. put me in His kingdom, yes. His kingdom of light, so I could be a kingdom citizen and now to be a transmitter yes. of that. Life. And may the words of Christ again to speak to our heart and to our souls to remind us of our responsibility when he said, You are the light of the world. You. Those that name the name of Christ. You and you alone are the light of the world. And therefore in verses 14 and 15, 
on Matthew 5, we have a holy calling. And in verse 16, we have a heavenly calling. Even when Paul was preaching there in the book of the Acts, <clears throat> I love the word that he used, he says, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, yes. from the power of Satan unto God, yes. that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Mm. To turn from darkness to light to receive forgiveness of sins. Even when the Lord came preaching. I mean, this is what he preached. He preached earlier in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. He said in verses 16 and 17, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of, of death, light is sprang up. And from that time Christ became to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we would even ask that if you're outside Christ this morning, you may now come to Christ and experience this blessing of having all your sins forgiven, but then to be brought into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, being translated, being transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of light. So again, Christ says to all His saved people, you are the light of the world. You, a city that is set on the hill, cannot be hid. Three things, again, regarding this light of Christ. Number one, the feature of this light. Number two, the function of this light. And then number three, the focus of this light. First of all, under our holy calling in verse 14a, the first part of the verse, the feature of this light, where Christ again says, you are the light of this world. As we have seen in the Sermon of the Mount, Christ has blessed us with those Beatitudes to remind us of what we are in Him. But then He uses two distinguishing physical emblems to describe His people as He calls us both salt and light. And both of these are of immense value. And both of these are very useful. Light, like salt, is very important to our everyday life. It is needful. <clears throat> and it's so sad when we do, Brother James Donnie, take for granted salt and light to just throw the salt off the table, you know? Anyway, but sadly, <clears throat> in truth, I, there's a sense that we do take light for granted because we really don't think much about light. Come in the house, turn on the, you know, all the switches, light comes on. But oh, let a storm come. And all of a sudden, we lose our electricity and it's darkness. We're scrambling for our phones, for flashlights. Then we realize how much we really need lights. You know? Amazing. We're in darkness and it's all a mess. I like what J.C. Roth says. He says, quote, Of all the things created, light is the most useful. It was the first thing called into being in Genesis 1, 3, and 4. Without it, the world would be a gloomy blank, unquote. In other words, if the aspect of pure physical light affects us when it goes out, and now we are in immense darkness, how much more should we who name the name of Christ should be spiritual light to this dark and dying yes. world? Yes. We must be light bearers, that we would be visible and radiant, sending out our rays of light in this dark and dying world. You see, the darkness of this world, again, is a spiritual darkness. And it dominates our entire world system. And so sad, it is so appalling. 
and what makes this so dreadful is that the inhabitants of the world they could care less because they love darkness. Remember Christ himself said in John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, but man loves darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. And light exposes their deeds. And this is the verdict of Christ that who is the true light that Christ himself has come into the world, but man loved darkness rather than light. Why? Again, because of their sinful condition. And what a grim picture. But it is a biblical truth. And thus, again, we ask the question, real simple question, what is the definition of darkness? What is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. Darkness is the absence of light. Knowing how darkness permeates in the world. Again, they cause those of us who name the name of Christ to see the importance of being light in the world. This is why Christ again says to his people, you and you alone, you are the light of the world. As we saw last night, again the phrase that you are, it is emphatic, you are the light of the world. Again, the word you or ye in the Greek, it is emphatic. Speaking to yourself, you are the light. It is so emphatic that it can be translated, you and you alone. You, you alone in Christ. You are the light of the world. And I don't know about you, but to me, when I read it, it is very humbling. Real humbling to think that we would be light. I mean, if we are true believers in Christ, we must come to grips that we are the light of the world. This is the aspect of our holy calling. We are to be reflectors bearing the light of Christ. We are to be the light. just like the moon. What is the moon? The moon is but the reflection of the sun. Yes. Maybe the moon by itself is just mass darkness. And we know the scripture says that the sun is what? The greater light. Yes. And the moon is what? The lesser light. Well, Christ is the greater light. Okay? The greatest light. We are the lesser light. Yes. We are to be shining the light. So my question to you this morning is, is your light like the moon? When it is full moon on a dark night? Or maybe you just radiate a little bit. Maybe you're just a quarter moon. A half moon. Three quarters of a moon. Or are you the full moon that we're supposed to be in radiating our light in Christ? I hope you're seeing the feature of this light. To ask, what kind of light am I radiating to the world? Again, Paul writes to the Ephesians, and he tells the Ephesians, brethren, Ephesians 5 8, for you were sometimes darkened, but now you are the light in the world, walk as children of light. Yes. So we're commanded that we are to walk as children of light. So are we walking as children of light? In the same chapter, Paul says there in Ephesians 5, verse 11 and 13 through 16, he says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Verse 13. But all things that are important are made manifest by the light. For whosoever the Make 
manifest his light. Wherefore he said, I wake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you should walk circumspectly, not as fool, but as wise, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. 2 Corinthians 6 4. Be ye unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Romans 13 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast up the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light. And then. My favorite verse regarding life is in Philippians 2.15. He says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as light in the world. That's what we must be. That we must shine as light in the world. Now we know when uh, someone... A lady's going to get married and, you know, they're going to go buy a diamond ring and they're going to buy a diamond wing or whatever and they go to the jewelry. They go to the jewelry store and what did they bring out before they show you the diamonds? That black pad. Black velvet pad. You know why? Because when you put that diamond on there, it radiates! Yes. I mean, you put it on here, I mean, it might radiate a little bit, but on the black velvet, it radiates. And this is what I think Paul is telling us in Philippians 2.15. That we are in a myth of a crooked and perverse nation that is dark, among whom ye shine as light in this world. And so may God grace us to be those light in this dark and dying world. In other words, let's be the full moon. Yes. Not a quarter moon or half moon or three quarter moon. No, but to be a full moon. To show forth the light of Christ. Because again, to all whom he has saved, he says, you are the light of the world. And again, there's so much here, but we need to move on. And as I said, the one sermon does not do justice to the subject of light. Okay? But secondly, we have the function of this light. We saw the feature, but now the function of this light in verses 14b, the second part of verse 14 and 15, what Christ said, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Our Lord now uses two uh, spiritual functions as being light in the world. A city on a hill, and a candlestick, or a lamp in the house. Here we see again our responsibility, our function, this function of the light, our function as being light of Christ in this dark and dying world. <clears throat> well, look, First example of our function is light is a city upon a hill. Because a city upon a hill, when the lights are on, it cannot be hidden. I mean, there's no way to obscure a city on a hill when the lights are on. It's very, very visible. As what Christ is saying here, there is no such thing as an invisible believer. There's no such thing as an invisible believer. Why? Because it is the nature and property of light to radiate. Yes. 
in darkness. It cannot, but what? Give light and shine. And so may our light so radiate like a city upon a hill. I mean, we have, as we said, the high calling, the holy calling of being light of the world. It means we have the high responsibility to shine. Because again, a city on the hill is very conspicuous at night. You can see it from miles away. You know, San Antonio was not up on the hill. But my basketball season is about to start in about a month. And sometimes I have games about an hour, two hours away. And when I'm driving back home at night, and I get close to San Antonio, about 30 miles away, I can see the whole city of San Antonio. It is so, and that's because it's not even on a hill. Can you imagine if San Antonio was on a hill? I thought he could see it from an hour away. Because it's so conspicuous. Because light always affects darkness. And this is the application because light radiates in darkness. This is what Christ is telling us. Very clear. <clears throat> that we are to live as light as set forth in the scriptures. That they would see our light, and in seeing our light, they would see our conviction, they would see our dedication to Christ, they would be so dogmatic about these things, they would see our holy walk, our holy conviction, they would radiate in a very obvious and conspicuous way. They would say, there's something different about this guy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Something different. <clears throat> I mean, look at the time when, I mean, I, I had to work, you know, at, at our... And I heard one of the early times when I'd send George take out with about five or six families. And so it was kind of hard to do a small church. And I worked at a pharmacy for a while. And of course, I, before God saved me, you would find me in a bar every single night. <laughs> and after we get ready to punch out, everybody wanted to go to a bar. And do, they would always invite me. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. You're going. I said, no, thank you very much. Come on, Joe. Let's go. No, no, I'm not going. Oh, you think you're so good? I said, no. I said, you missed it. Well, right now I'd say 40 years, but back then I said, you missed it for about 25 years. You asked me 25 years ago, I would be going with you. But I don't anymore. I followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I oh, excuse me. <laughs> but then everybody knew. So they wouldn't invite me anymore. I would not say, no, no. And may God see our convictions and, and to shine his light. Listen again to the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Corinthians regarding our shining light. Paul makes reference first to the essence of the gospel. But then to those who believe the gospel and are born again, <clears throat> which also includes the importance of proclaiming and sharing the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 4, in verses 3 to 6, it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, for our God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, this physical body, inert vessel, earthen vessel, 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so a light in Christ must not be hidden. It must be clear, visible to everyone. We are to set forth our rays, our light in a Christian walk. Again, how like a city on the hill that our light would be visible and radiate to all. Not only does Christ use the example of a city in the hill, but in verse 15, again he said, Near do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on the candlestick, and it gives it light unto all that are in the house. The same, second example is no different than the first. It emphasizes what, what the ethic of visible and noticeable light. It speaks about a candle, a lamp, that lights the whole house. It gives light to the house. The word translated candle and candlestick basically means a lamp or a lampstand. And we know the Old Testament, the candlestick lampstand was used in the tabernacle to give light. The lampstand had a seven-branch golden lampstand, which was the very first room of the tabernacle to give light for the priest's service. The lamps were fed with oil, and we know long before electricity came to being, <coughs> a common thing for all of us in, in our home, that they would use candles to, to light their home. And like these candles or candlesticks, you know, you light them up, you light the lamp, like, or light the city. Again, to radiate light when in darkness. In darkness. It would be conspicuous. Not to be covered up. Again, Christ tells us there is no such thing as an invisible or secret Christian. In other words, you don't light a candle and then put it on the bushel. I mean, how ridiculous is that? To light a candle and then cover it under a bushel or a basket or a bowl. And so Christ addresses the important issue that a Christian should never prevent its light to shine. Yes. Makes it very clear. We don't have a light and then put it under a basket. No. Our light should radiate in the world. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes this point. He says, if we find ourselves a tendency to put the light under a bushel, we must begin to examine ourselves and make sure that it really is a light. Unquote. I like that. Christ's point is very unmistakable. The principal function of a household lamp or a lampstand is what? To provide light. To give illumination around the house. And there is no such thing as a believer without light. This can never be. The candle, the lamp, I mean, I know at times maybe it can flicker, it might be dim, but to be without light, no, no. I mean, or even if you don't have a candle, whatever, the light go up, and if your phone's not working, what do we get a flashlight? Get a flashlight to look, to be done, you get a flashlight and hide it under the covers. What is that going to do for us? It's not going to help. No, 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 no. We need the light for darkness. To give light in the house. Martin Lloyd Jones again says, quote, The whole purpose of lighting a light is that he may give light, and it is foolish for a man to cover it with something that prevents yes. that quality from manifesting itself. We are all agreed, utterly ridiculous, are you deliberately concealing it? Well, if you are, Apart from anything else, it is something which is completely ridiculous and foolish, unquote. So again, hiding a lamp or light, like trying to conceal the fact that you are a Christian. Mm -hmm. 
sad to say, but some professing Christians, they might do that. They might want to con con conceal that they're Christian because it might cost them a friend. It might cost them a promotion. It might cost them their job. It, it might even bring some, some essence of, of a persecution. But Christ made it so clear. So clear. If you're a true child of God, neither do men put a light so you give the man light a candle and put it under a bushel or under a candlestick and he give it light unto all that are in the house. So, the purpose of our light is to clearly illuminate to show that there's light and darkness, but it's Christian to show the light of God in our soul. Light will be radiating because if it's ever hidden under a bowl or a basket, it's no longer useful. Our life for Christ must never, never be hidden. Again, just like the example of the city upon a hill. It goes again. goes against the very nature and purpose of the light. Because our light is never to be hidden. I like what Spurgeon says here, but just kind of bury me a bit. It's a little bit, a little bit of a lengthy quote. But he says, Poor world, poor world, it is dark and grows at midnight. It cannot get light except it receives it through us. To be the light of the world, summons life with the most stupendous responsibility, and so invest it with most solemn dignity. Here it is, ye humble man, ye Christian. When a lampstand was found for Christianity in the martyrdom of the Colosseum, in the pocket burning by pagans and papists, and in all the modes of which believers in Christ were forced to flame. The text say that the candle gives light to water in the house. Some professors only give light to a part of the house. The venerable B, when he was interpreting this text, said that Jesus Christ brought the look of his deity to the poor lantern of our humanity and then set it upon the candlestick of his church that the whole house of the world might be lit up thereby. Unquote. I love that. So Christ makes it very clear. In Him we must be light. We must radiate light. And remember, as light professor, we are also light transmitters. Okay? Like, Christ is like the sun. I mean, in the day like today, the sun is out. You go out when the sun is at the very <coughs> highest spot. You can't even look at it because it's so bright. It'll blind you for a split second. It's so brilliant, powerful light. And how many of us have been blinded by the light? You know? Unbelievable. Sometimes going to work or whatever, you know, you're going like this and you put down the shade, the corn is still. Let me that light. But remember, we're the moon. We are to reflect that great light. The moon reflects the light of the sun. And so in this case, we are to reflect the light of the sun. That is the S-O-N light. That's sunlight. And we are to be the light of Christ. Put it another way. We're also like a window that lets in the light and light is the whole room. Remind me of a story that I read of a little boy who was in church. It says, quote, A little boy was sitting in church and his mom with his mom one day and he looked up at the beautiful stained glass and and he saw faces in the glass and says, Mom, who are those people in the window? He asked. Those are the saints, she answered. The little boy thought for a while and said, Oh, 
I know who the saints are. They're the ones who let the light in, unquote. Mm. A little boy to figure that out, huh? Amen. So, if you are in Christ this morning, well, yes, you are a saint. And he has made us saints. And as saints, we are to be the light, the light of this world. The light shed upon this dark and dying world. And as children of God, we are to be those continual lights to this dark world. Are we walking as light? <clears throat> we are to make impact. Notice again what Christ said. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it on the bushel, but on the candlestick that it give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before man that they may see the Lord and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. And so we are told that we are light. We are commanded to be light. So shine, shine before man. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 and 5 it says, that ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day shall overtake you as a thief. No, you are children of light, the children of the day. We're not of the night, nor darkness. Again, in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we read this early, but I want to read it again. For God also commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shining in the heart, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, God has removed us from darkness, put us into His light, and now, as his light, we are city upon a hill, a lampstand, and therefore. But then there's also sin that the lampstand can also be applied, I think, to the church. For there is the light, if I can use the terminology, of an institution of the church. The city set upon a hill can represent the church. And I say this because the city and the hill is not one single light, it's a whole bunch of lights in that city. So you come to a church and there's a lot of light in the city. It may not to be great light. I mean, when night falls in the city, you know, a city in the hill can be seen for miles. Even if there's no moon, you can still see it for miles. <clears throat> and this is what Christ is telling us. And so the church is also a light, a powerful spiritual light. One writer makes this point. You can tell most Everything you need to know about a church by the preaching they have, the Bible they use, the song they sing, and the activities they engage in. Like a city set on the hill, we cannot be hidden. We either declare our stand for Jesus and we testify to His saving grace and power, or we take our stand with the world. It cannot be both ways. So, may the Lord use Lakeview Baptist Church to be a city upon a hill here in Mena, Arkansas. Amen. So let it be vocal, visible, vibrant witness for Christ in the midst of darkness. God did not establish the church so, you know, we would do our own thing and drift from Him like many churches have done. No, no, no. God established the church here in Mina to be a light in darkness. Again, not only the light of an institute, but as we said, the light of the individual to be that candle upon the lampstand. To be that lit candle. Not to be here in a basket or bowl, but to shine partially as individuals. And just as the church has a testimony and witnesses, so should we. My, my, my. But I do remind you, when you go back out of those doors after church service, Bible conference during Sunday, you need to remind yourself, when you leave the church, you are entering the mission field. Yeah, right. When you leave this church, this city on a hill. 
you go out from a light place and you go out into darkness into the dead doom world and we are to radiate as light this is our mission therefore the words of Christ again a city on a hill and that is set on a hill cannot be hid so clear so let us my dear ones function in this light you know I reminded the church that some great shining light reminding when English martyr Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley yes. were being taken to the stake yes. to burn Latimer turned around and looked at Ridley and he said be a good cheer brother Ridley we have lighted such a candle in England as by the grace of God shall never be put out unquote testimony you're about to be put to death but saying we are the light of yes. the world and that God graces with those hearts what powerful words when facing death knowing you've been a shining light for Christ so not only the feature of the light the function of this light but quickly the focus of this light and that is verse 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven and this is now our heavenly calling our purpose of being those bright and shining light is for God's glory Amen Right. It is also twofold. He speaks. Notice what he says. It's also twofold. Is to do good works and to glorify God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. Again, we don't do good works to be saved. No, but because we are saved, we maintain good works to honor and glorify God. I mean, we're told clearly in Scripture, Ephesians two eight and ten. For you are saved by grace through faith. What? Not of yourself. What? It is the gift of God, not of work, lest any man should boast. Why? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good work, which God had ordained that what? We should walk in them. <clears throat> so I showed the following verses real quickly to show the need of good work in our Christian walk. Again, not that we might be patted in the back or be prayed. No, no, no. But to glorify God. To glorify God. Because our good works to shine, not to boast in ourselves, but that God would get the glory. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good work. Titus 3.8. This is a faithful saying and faithful thing. I will that thou affirm constantly the day which I believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable unto men. Hebrews 10, 24, Let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and good work. 1 Peter 2, 12, have, Having a conversation or conduct among other Gentiles that where they speak evil against you, as evildoers, that you by your good work that they may glorify, behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And therefore, the focus of our light is that our light would so shine that God would be glorified. Yeah. Why? Because lights are meant to be enlightened. Again, name the name of Christ. It is, we must maintain good works, but not for us, but for the glory yes. of God. Yes. We are not to seek the praise of man. Oh no. Let us not be like the Pharisees in Matthew 23. 
No. Let us do it for the purpose to glorify God. And I'm reminding you, I know you know this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. What if you eat or drink, what does he do? Do it all for what? For the glory of God. For a life to shine in order to enlighten people. In order to show them that there is a right way of living in light and not in darkness. So let us follow the words of Christ and let us maintain those good works <coughs> that they might see our good works. Not only to enlighten those around us, but also for the purpose to exalt our great God of heaven and earth, that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is the primary focus of shining our light. Again, it's to glorify God. All Everything else is secondary. Our primary focus is to glorify God. That's why we maintain good works. To shine for God to be exalted and glorified. <clears throat> and therefore, to be a light in the world. To let us be light in this dark and dying world. <clears throat> that brings us to an end. Let us be a truthful witness. A witness to the lost. That they might see their light. Because we are in this dark world. But also a witness to the Lord. Do what we do in a good work to glorify Him. And there is not a greater witness for any born-again Christian than to reflect the light Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I remind you that the light does not exist to call attention to itself, but to draw attention, to illuminate, to give God all the glory, to be a witness for the Lord that He might be glorified. As a matter of fact, one writer makes this point. He says, our testimony is about a great God who loved us, saved us, and we deserve damnation instead. Our purpose is not to make people look at what we do and say, man, look at that great Christian. No, we want them to see us and say, they must serve a great God. Amen. I'd like to know that great God too. Amen. Amen. So I conclude. I want to read this illustration that I read, and it really blessed my heart. Quote, President Woodrow Wilson told a story of being in the barbershop one day. He says, I was sitting in the barbershop when I became aware that there was a powerful personality that had entered the room. A man had come in very quietly, stayed in the place, and he came upon the same area as myself to have his hair cut. And he sits upon the chair and he happens next to me. Every word this man uttered, though it was not in the least didactic, showed a personal interest in the man whom he was serving. And before I got through what was being done to me, I was aware that I had attended an evangelistic service because the man next to me was Dr. D. <coughs> Moody, who was in the chair. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left and noted the singular effect that it did that it brought upon the whole barbershop. They, they talked in undertone. They did not know his name, but they knew that they had been elevated in their thoughts. And after I left that place, I felt that I had left, as it were, a place of worship. Unquote. What a testimony. What great light. This is the kind of light that God desires all of us to be. Again, Philippians 2.15 that you may be blameless, harmless, 
the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as light in the world. Yes. Wow. I like to read that again to just add something. That he may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among that you shine as light and as salt yeah. in the world. Yeah. And so, my dear ones, let us find ourselves walking in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, that we might be salt and light, right. all to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.